Welcome to Take It From The Iron Woman. My name is Susanne Müller, your host and the Iron Woman. This podcast is about empowering yourself and others to make real changes in the world. You will hear from everyday, smart, sophisticated, hip people like you and me. Not everybody has to be an Iron Woman to impress the world. Together, we will learn from the sports and business leaders how you can become a more successful person as an entrepreneur or a leader. It's one step at a time, one day at a time. Take your steps now. Take your big steps now. Join me on this journey to success. This podcast is being sponsored by Get Loopy. On episode 41, you can hear the story of Isabel, the co-founder and CEO. Get Loopy, get a 20% discount off your first order. Getloopy.com Take it from the Iron Woman, we only have special guests. And today we have Robert Slater with us. And the universe brought us together, I guess. We both took the podcast fellowship with the Akimbo family. And all of a sudden we were alone in a breakout room. And that's, that's how we right. met. So Robert, introduce yourself. Who is Robert who's going to join us today? Hi, Susanna. Thanks ever so much for asking me to be here today. I'm an orthodontist in Birmingham in the UK. And we, I think, have a shared interest in endurance sport. I used to swim a lot, did a bit of marathon running. And then later in life, when I thought I was going into decline, if you like, in my 40s, I just happened to move in to a house which um, and the next door neighbor was a triathlete. So he got me into triathlon and mm. then into Ironman. Sometimes a neighbor can inspire you, right? We're going to post your resume as a dentist and not a dentist. It's inspiring and certainly very interesting. But our love for the sports, we want to focus on that. You just mentioned like your neighbor brought you into that, but what was it that the neighbor, what did they say or what did they do? Well, when we moved in, the Mark came over and introduced himself and I had no idea that he was interested in sport at all. The reality was that he started his running career and was running at a fairly high level. He was training with people like Sebastian Coe and Steve Ovette, who were quite well-known British runners at that stage. And he had become injured. His knees were not as good as they were and found triathlon as a way of doing cross-training that helped him to continue his running, but also to enjoy cycling and swimming. And when we met, he said, come over and have dinner with us. So we went over and it wasn't long before he started to ask me questions about, <laughs> I think he must have thought I was slightly overweight, actually, <laughs> because he, he said, have you ever done any exercise? <laughs> and I said, I used to swim as a kid. And he said, well, we do swimming on a Sunday. So why don't you come down to the pool? I decided I should like, I'd like to try swimming again and went down and quickly got used to going up and down the pool. Because of my swing was my thing, I quickly got to the front of the uh, pack there. And then uh, Mark said, well, you should do a bit of running. He invited me out because he knew he found out by this stage that I'd uh, run a marathon when I was 19 years old. And so I went running on a Wednesday evening uh, with his wife, actually, it turned out. And then one day I looked down and there was a bike underneath me. <laughs> then I realized I was a triathlete. <laughs> so that was the story, really. 
And I started with sprint triathlon, like lots of people do. And I think because I'm slightly older, I knew I was probably never going to be a really good sprint triathlete. And I always admire people who are good sprint triathletes mm -hmm. because it's quite a lot of stress on the body. But I did go back to my thinking of, well, I'd done a marathon. I knew used to do the four by four medley when I was swimming uh, and the 1500 meter swim. I'd like to do some longer distances. And after a few years, I did a half Ironman. And then I was ill for a while. I couldn't train. He developed some swellings in my legs and nobody really ever found out what they were. I had pretty much, I suppose it was about eight years off training with that. And then one day I started to get my core strength back. And when that started to return, I started going out for longer and longer walks. And one day when we were in Cornwall in the southwest of England, I saw a swim going on across the sea from one castle to another called the Castle to Castle Swim. And I thought I must do that. I'd started training for that for a year. And then in 2011, I did that. And then a year later, I did it again. And then the year after that, I decided I'd like to train for my first Ironman. So I chose Ironman Wales and spent about 18 months training for that and fortunately managed to complete it. And I was bitten by the bug then. So carried on. Congratulations. Sometimes we need something like traveling there, seeing the beauty of nature, and we're hooked again. And in your yeah. biography, it says, outside work is a competitive triathlon athlete, having achieved all-world athlete status, which is given to the top 10% of competitors in the world of Ironman events. This is amazing. Congratulations. Tell us a bit about wow. that. How did that happen and how did you get there? Well, if you come in the top 10% of your age group, then you get bronze status. There are various ways that you can get points through the year. So if you do three races, so to say two half Ironman and one full Ironman, then you'll get a certain number of points. And if you're in the top 10%, then you'll be given bronze status. If you're in the top 5%, silver. And if you're in the top 1%, then gold. And I got bronze status the first year I did it. And the, the second year, I, I got silver status. That was the year before I decided to do Frankfurt, Ironman Frankfurt. And that's the European Championships. I wanted to do that as well as I could. And when I got there, I was given a ticket in my pack because you know how you go into the tent to pick up your rucksack and you've got your goodies in there and everybody's excited. And I picked out this envelope with this silver status on and inside there was an invite for a breakfast. Breakfast, I thought, well, there'll be hundreds of people there, but I thought I'll go along. It'll be interesting to see who's there. And when I got there, Paula Newby Fraser was there giving a talk. So I sat and had my coffee. At the end of the, of the talk, everybody sort of disappeared and there were only 50 people in the room. So I was really surprised at how few people were there. Everybody disappeared and I sat drinking my coffee and she'd said quite a few inspiring things while she was giving her talk. And so as I was on my way out, I just saw her talking to one of the organisers and I just said, I'm sorry to disturb you, but thank you ever so much for uh, your really, really inspiring talk today. And she just stopped what she was doing and came over and, and talked to me, which I was really surprised by, actually. But when she talked to me, I asked her a few more things about what uh, she was saying about endurance. And one of the things I think I'd always been making as a mistake was I was actually eating too much or too often. And I think a lot of people 
at first have to train themselves to make sure that they eat often and enough Mm -hmm. and feel safe doing that. But she was pointing out to us, I suppose because we were doing quite well in, in our racing, that if we ate too much, then there could be a situation where we can't quite come back from that. Our bodies are so stuffed with food now that we can't absorb it anymore and it's just not going to get out of our system. Her view was that if you can just get the tipping point right, if you go under, then you can stop, you can eat, but you can bring yourself back. And Mm. she was eight times Kona champion and there is a video out there of her collapsing on the marathon and actually just stopping for 10 minutes and you can see her eating and she gets to the end and she ran quite well towards the end she'd sort of proven this Mm -hmm. and I took that into the race and the year before it actually struggled and I think I'd struggled because I'd eaten too much so it really really helped me on race day but it was mind-blowing just to you know have that advice from somebody like Paula really that's inspirational and to feel that, right? You also said you you know Chrissy Wellington. Obviously, she's one of the big Kona queens. I met her once. It's inspiring to talk to those people when they are at that level. Yes, I, I mean Chrissy's extremely driven in what mm. uh, what she does, and now uh, she's sort of moved on really and is involved with Parkrun. So once again, she's changed her focus from competing for herself, but to, to actually using what she's learned over the years to helping others. And Parkrun is one of those amazing things where every Saturday, and it's been such a shame that people haven't been able to do this during lockdown, but people are coming every Saturday, volunteering. The interesting thing and the thing I really love about it is that the average time is getting slower. So as the parkrun becomes more popular, the average time gets slower. And that's quite an important point because what it means is that it's actually spreading and more and more people are doing it. Mm-hmm. If fewer people are doing it, maybe the times would be getting faster because they're getting slower, it's getting bigger. So, And they're making a big thing about that, which again, I think is really inspirational. And tell us about you being a coach. What do you coach? All the three disciplines in triathlon or...? I do, but I regularly coach swimming. And that, that came from one morning I took my son swimming to our local triathlon club pool. And I thought I would do my usual thing of sit down and read a book. There was no coach there. And Steve Washbourne, one of the, the guys who's uh, one of the regulars, he got out of the pool and he just said, Rob, anything you can say to these guys will be of help. Just please stand up and coach them. So I felt a bit of a fraud and I stood up and started saying things and... <laughs> I was really surprised because at the end of having really, it really took a lot for me to come out of my comfort zone to do that. But at the end of the session, so many people were thanking me and that made me realize I'd got to, I couldn't be a fraud, so I would have to go away and train. So I took a level two triathlon qualification with our British Triathlon Federation. From there, I started coaching on a regular basis. So swimming's my core thing for coaching. I do that on Sunday afternoons. And I'm now the lead swim lead for our triathlon club. So I'm just trying to organize swim sessions for our club. We're starting hopefully in the next few weeks, which is really exciting. I usually do a cycle session in the early part of the season to get nervous people onto the bike, showing them cornering, how, what position they should be in when they're cornering. Talk a little bit about braking in uh, different types of weather. And then on Saturday mornings, we'll do uh, our run sessions, which are typically run by some good run coaches. But when they're not there, are able to step in and do those. Those are usually hill sessions, which are like reps, running hard up a hill, coming back mm-hmm. down, having a rest. But they're great fun because we're all taking the mickey out of each other. I think it's a good 
chance to show leadership by being at the back, really, talking to people about what they're doing. But everybody goes off and does their stuff and comes back. We have a safe session and then we all clap each other at the end. So it's good fun. With the lockdown, I'm wondering how can you motivate the people to still train? And I think that's yeah. the hard part at the moment. And what we've done as a club is we've come together. So when people can swim, I've been posting swim sessions onto the uh, site and also giving them tips as to how they can shorten them. We also gave some exercises that people could do on dry land as well to maintain their core strength and fitness while the sort of stricter forms of lockdown were happening. We've also done some virtual sessions. There's been a virtual cross-country thing so that you can go, you can time it, put it on Strava so that if you do them, at a certain point in time a leaderboard gets created so people can do that and there are competitions and some people you know got prizes if they did really well the other thing that we did was two of us did Strava art and so in the early part of lockdown some of us were going off and running a route to create a diagram of some things I did a snail and a, a few other things like a, a lion was another thing but this girl Helen was endurance runner so she does 100 mile runs competing against some somebody like her for me I always knew I was I was going to fail if I wanted to beat her in any way <laughs> she did a picture of Elvis in quite a lot of detail <laughs> which took her about six hours of running to do and it was so good that it got into the newspapers locally so we were all very proud of Helen but it created a lot of attention to, on our bra Facebook site so everybody was talking about that kept us, uh, kept us and can going. we share that can other people join or is it just for the local chapter i think anybody can look at the brat through scroll back you can see her pictures <laughs> oh that's fantastic yeah how inspirational was that rob the super iron man i just learned so much what are you taking away take it from the iron woman we have episodes every monday every wednesday don't miss out there is something for everybody And don't forget to order Get Loopy, getloopy.com. You get 20% off of your first order. Get Loopy is the plant-based snack. And Take It From The Iron Woman is also a book. You can get it on Amazon. It's a paperback or an e-book. Take It From The Iron Woman. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>